Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Amen. Well, this is a, not a parable. This is actually a story that actually happened. It actually is told in three different gospels. You're going to find this story and where a variation of this story in Mark, Luke, and Matthew. Um, so it's about, and normally now it's known by theologians and a lot of people as the story of the uh, rich young ruler. Obviously, like the title of this, you kind of understand he was young. So obviously he was good looking. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't, uh, if you're older here, I am so sorry. <laughs> no, but you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like he thought he was good looking. Uh, <laughs> he's young, he's rich, and he's a ruler. I mean, what could, what better combination than that, right? Not only he is young, uh, especially in our culture where everyone's so obsessed with being young and good looking, uh, and then so obsessed with having as much money as you can get. And not only that, but he has some kind of power. Uh, some people or theologians think that he was part of the Sanhedrin. We talked about Nicodemus a couple weeks ago, and Nicodemus was kind of an elder. Um, some people say that he was part of the Sanhedrin. We don't know that for sure, but he was some kind of ruler. Maybe he was a Pharisee. Maybe he was kind of a uh, business ruler. Who knows? Um, we don't know for sure. What we do know is that after Jesus, before this, you're going to find in uh, the gospel, of Mark and Matthew, where Jesus, uh, you know, he's kind of in this place where a whole bunch of kids run to him, and his disciples are saying that, look, uh, they're, they're kind of holding them back, and Jesus gets really offended. He, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if Jesus gets offended. I think he was more mad, right? And he says, well, okay, let the kids come to me, okay? And this is happening right before this story, and apparently this guy is, I don't know if he's watching from the side, I don't know exactly what's happening, but something that prompts him to go and ask Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I think that's very noble. Somebody that, somebody that is young, rich, and powerful is asking Jesus, what can I do to inherit? The, I mean, well, all of us would command that. All of us would say, that's a good thing to do, right? But that's not sort of the nature of the human spirit. I think a lot of us understand, like I, uh, I'm an okay pastor because I fail so many times, but I think I'm even a worse businessman. And I'm not very good at business. Like I'll, I'll be straight up because I started in sales when I was uh, back. Uh, I had like 22 jobs in six months. <laughs> I'm joking. Like it was just a lot of jobs that I had in a short period of time. And most of them had to do with sales. And I worked for Best Buy, I worked for a car dealership, I, I, I sold insurance, I sold houses, like I sold so many different things. And one of the things that I was pretty bad at is I really hated to lie to people. But especially in car business, you sort of kind of have to. Now, I have a lot of respect for business people that can make money without losing their integrity. Those people that I figured out had run a company without, you know, like undercutting their competitors, without lying, without cheating and stealing. My, my highest regard and respect I have for these kind of business people. But the reality is that if you're to go on a dealership, um, you don't exactly find these kind of people. Right? And it was a lot of times where we were taught how to lie. It was, it was pretty like, settled, like and not anything big. It was just sort of like you got in the car, you don't ask open-ended questions like, like do you like this car or not? No, you just ask, hey, isn't this, isn't this car great? Isn't this air conditioning awesome? Wouldn't your neighbors just be jealous of you driving this in? Right? 
And we understood the more yeses we got, the more psychologically this person bought the car. So then the last question was like, hey, when do we sign the papers right now? It was kind of a natural thing because they said so many yeses because they, they psychologically had to object to why they shouldn't be buying this car. Now, of course, this is not exactly lying straight up, but it's manipulation, right? We were taught that. Now, in the, business, the current business that I'm in, um, there's a, a lot of things that I really refuse to do because I feel they're a little bit dishonest. Like, for example, we have to do scripts, and if you're a business person in here, you know what I'm talking about. A script is usually a way of talking to a person to, to, to get yourself a desired outcome, right? So, so you go and like, oh, you want to buy a car? That's not the business that I'm in, but I'll, let's just illustrate that with a car. Okay, so I'll call you, and I'll do the same thing to you. Every single time you throw an objection, I'll just kind of go around it and just sort of tell you what I want you to tell you and constantly kind of pester you until you accept the deal that I'm trying to portray to you. Now, I understand that there could be ways of you using scripts to, to sell things without manipulating. I find that very difficult, at least in my own experience. Because when I, I'm trying to sell something, you know, I just want to be as honest, and if they don't buy it, they don't buy it. And the, the downside to that is that you're not very good at selling. You know, and, and I think because of that, I'm also very skeptical when somebody uses scripts with me. Because I kind of, since I've been in, in sales for so long, uh, and then I took a break and I went to Boeing and all that, but like, I, I, I know when somebody's trying to sell me something really quick. For example, you have a, a meeting with, with someone, they're like, hey, I want to just catch up with you. You're like, that's great. Let's catch up. We haven't seen, a, a, you know, since like, what, 2009. This is great. And you meet up and you're like, oh, this is, this is awesome. So good to see you. So good to see you. And then it starts to like progress to the point where they're like, so what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm doing this. And like, oh, I got into this new business last two weeks and it's been so amazing. And uh, actually, I'm looking for people to join me on this amazing venture. And you're like, um, like, could you explain exactly where does the money come from on this business? Uh, well, but see, let me tell you what this business can provide for you. Um, do you like going on vacation? I'm like, is that a question? Because that sounds like a marketing scheme, right? Like, who doesn't want to go on a vacation? Everyone wants to go on a vacation. At least if you're not weird, you want to go on a vacation. So they ask all these, like not open-ended questions, but it's, it's using questions to manipulate you to get an outcome. It's like, do you want to be your own boss? No, I'd love to work for somebody that just works me to death. This is the dream of my life. It's great. You know? <laughs> right? like, it's like, of course you want to be your own boss. And then you realize that the whole reason for that launch is that marketing scheme is some kind of multi-level marketing, some kind of like scheme that they've been trying to sell you. And we as business people have kind of got that down. Now, again, if you're a business person and you're honest in your business, I commend you for that. And I think we are in desperate need of business people like that. Business people that are able to provide a service and a, a good without, and, and there's a fair commission or there's a fair fee for your services, that's totally amazing. And if you can do that, but the moment we start to manipulate things, when we ask and we, we try to flatter people, that becomes problematic. And you kind of already know what I'm going with this. This is what this young ruler is doing. He comes to Jesus. He says, I need to get something from him. And he comes where he's thinking, oh, how, how do I address him? Good teacher sounds fitting. 
Now, if this guy is part of the Sanhedrin, that means that his cronies are really against Jesus. Okay, if he's part of the ruling elite, you know, he would have, naturally, his, his friends would have a problem with Jesus. And he comes up to Jesus and says, um, good teacher, what must I do to pursue or to get eternal life? And Jesus says the sort of famous line like, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Now, a lot of times we actually misunderstand this passage and we think that Jesus was saying that he's not good. That's not what he's saying. We don't make like, uh, uh, we don't make a belief based on a question. We make beliefs based on statements that Jesus has said. Jesus is just questioning him to see, okay, where does this really come, come from? What's the motivation behind what you're asking right now? Because he, here's where you have the problem of the, 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 young, uh, the, the rich young ruler is the problem of Bellevue and Mercer Island and people that I meet on a daily basis with. And if you will happen to be in that crowd, I'm so sorry. But like, if you hang out with a pastor, you'll end up in his sermons. I'm just saying, right? Like, oh, but, but you, you meet up with a person, they're so like, they're so like nice and they, they want to make sure they don't burn any bridges, what I'm trying to say. They, they're like, oh, that's your truth. That's great. And I'm like, I get so offended when people say that. Like, what do you mean? I don't have a truth. There's truth and there's, there's not truth. This idea that I, somehow I have my truth and you have your truth. And, and then they, they're so kind of like extremely like nice around you because they're trying to get something from you. And Jesus is not playing like that. Jesus is saying, I know where you're going with this, but let's get the dirt out. Let's see the real motivation while you're here. Let's go under the underlying things that are bubbling up underneath the surface and let's figure you out. Is what I'm... Jesus is like the salesperson that you go to buy from and they're like, yeah, this car, yeah, the air conditioning is broken. And I think one of the tires is really worn out. <laughs> I started doing that with my clients and they're like, are you really trying to sell this or not? Because like, it doesn't seem like you're really interested in selling this. I'm like, no, I just, I'm just committing to make sure that you actually are getting what you need to get, not what I'm trying to sell you. Jesus is saying, hey, um, before you call me all this, I know this, just is, this is just fluff. You're just trying to call me because we, we, we've, we've seen this before. Nicodemus came up to, to Jesus and said the same thing, good teacher, amazes me what C.S. Lewis says. Look, he says that you can call Jesus whatever you want to call him. By the end of the day, Jesus is not a good, just a good teacher. He goes on to say that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. He cannot be only another good teacher. What I'm trying to say is that you know, this young ruler thought that, hey, I have achieved, you know, I'm still young. I've achieved, you know, especially if you talk to somebody under 30 and they're very successful at business, they usually have a self-confidence that's kind of like a little bit of over, over, no, no, for good reasons. They've accomplished things in life, right? For good reasons, they, they are confident in themselves. And that's, that's to a certain degree okay for the present kind of like the way we do things in our culture, so he comes up to Jesus and says, well, God, I'm still young. I've achieved this, this, this. But you know what? I'm wondering what else am I lacking in my life? Maybe I could just, you know. So, so he's, he, he has this novelty. Like he's pursuing this novelty. Okay, what else I need to kind of figure out? What, need to, what do I need? So what he's saying is coming to Jesus. Like, can I add what Jesus is saying to my life? Maybe this is the missing piece. 
I have a 3,000 square foot mansion, but like, hey, maybe, you know, having this one thing, you know, he doesn't look at Jesus as something that it's either all or nothing. He doesn't look at Jesus as Lord and Savior and whatever he says goes. He doesn't look at Jesus as the ultimate thing. He looks at Jesus as the add-on thing. And this is what's happening right now in our culture. It's okay if you preach Jesus, oh, as your just spiritual like side of things. But the moment you start saying Jesus is the only way in every single thing that we do, in paying our taxes and running our business and running our marriages, in running our families and running our churches and running our nonprofits and running in everything that we do is Jesus, that's, that becomes a problem. You mean to tell me that I have to give, it's very offensive is what I'm trying to say. So this guy comes up to Jesus and I think anytime you come to Jesus, it's going to disturb you a little. And that's why you see so many times in the New Testament where people are just like so taken back by the authority of, with which he is speaking. And not only that, but he is God. And here you have, to me, it's so, like, it's so dumb, this whole situation. Here you're like 18 inches away from salvation and you've missed it, bro. Like you're so smart of business, but here's salvation in front of you. You missed, you missed the whole point. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, okay, what must I do? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? And what Jesus is saying here is that, look, you made a mistake here, okay? First of all, you have to understand that you shouldn't recognize me as a good teacher. You need to recognize me as Lord. That is, that is the pro- problem that's underlying here. He's thinking of Jesus, just another like someone that I come to. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. You know, and this is what he, verse 16 says, someone, uh, someone came to Jesus, right? With a question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So what he's saying is, what else I need to do? And that's kind of like the second problem that we see. So first of all, he comes and addresses Jesus by the, by the, by the wrong like, re- relationship. He's not looking at him as Lord. He's looking at him as just another you know, business partner, another good teacher. And the second mistake that he does is this, is that he comes to Jesus not thinking, what must I change? Or how can I just completely turn my life around? He just thinks, okay, what else can I do? He completely misunderstands the gospel. The gospel is not about what you can do or what you should do. No, the gospel is about changing your whole life and saying, hey, it's not about my deeds. It's about who I follow. It's not what I do, but who I am in him. It's not about being, doing, but it's about being. That's the point that he is missing so much because you see a lot of us, like we, we, we want purpose in our life. Purpose, great. You know, we want happiness. Absolutely, love for sure. I mean, who can live without love, right? That's kind of important. It's important, guys. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> Everyone got so serious. <laughs> you know, we are so desperate, desperate for meaning. We want meaning. We are so desperate for God? Mm, not really. Because when we come to God, and we declare Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he says things that we might not really like. For example, I'm not a good teacher. I'm more than that. 
I am actually your Lord. There's so many, I'm gonna go through this really quick, but there's so many message, uh, many verses that talk about who Jesus is. He says that I am the bread of life. That means that, hey, you're gonna die without me, right? John 6, 35. You don't have to open to this because he's gonna be really quick. I am the light of the world, John 9, 5. I am the son of God, right? John 10, 36. I am the resurrection and the life, John 10, uh, 11, 25. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. I am the true vine, John 15, 1. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, Revelations 1, 8. I am the first and the last, Revelation 1, 17. So Jesus is making very clear here, like all these scriptures, right? Like, hey, I'm not just a good teacher. And yes, you know, Jesus is not saying here that, you know, why do you call me good? He's not saying I'm not good. He says, no, I am God and only I am good. I, I really don't want you to miss it because it's kind of complicated, but what I'm trying to tell you is this guy had a really distorted view of his own personal, like, spiritual, like, life. He thought of himself, well, I'm, I'm, I'm young, I'm famous, I'm, you know, rich, I'm powerful, you know, and if, if, he, if he belonged to the Pharisees, you could tell that he was moral, so this is, you're going to see later on where the, the disciples are kind of like really kind of taken back and says, okay, who can be saved then? Here you have the perfect model of someone. And now when we look at the, the, this time and period when Jesus is talking, we know that a lot of the Pharisees would teach that if you are rich, rich that means that God is blessing you. So, so they would declare this and automatically the whole society looked at someone who's young, who is, you know, uh, rich, and they looked at him as God is blessing him. Do you see any correlation with modern day Christianity? A little bit the opposite way, but it's sort of the same in the exact direction. Hey, um, you should get Jesus because like, if you know that famous person, like they got Jesus and stuff. They're famous. And if you get Jesus, you're gonna be rich. Like if you just come here and sow, if you sow in your tithe, then God is gonna get you so much more back. Okay? And, and, and so we have all these celebrities in Christianity and we think that if we get Jesus, we're gonna be like them. We start to look at, okay, God's blessing. And obviously if you're poor, if you have no influence, if you're dealing with depression, obviously God's not blessing you because there's something wrong with you. That is the implied sort of understanding, even though that's not what Jesus or the Bible is teaching. Just because you're rich doesn't mean that you're blessed. You know, sometimes being rich is actually gonna stand in the way here. And you're gonna see it in a second. He come. He came and he addressed Jesus by the wrong kind of like understanding of who Jesus is. Then he misunderstood his own spiritual, you know, kind of like corruption because he thought, he thought, okay, I'm good. All I need to do is add Jesus. And Jesus, that's not what he says. And he goes on to say um, in verse, I think it's 17, if we can put it up on the screen. Actually, yeah. So he says, why Ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, so Jesus is answering his question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, he goes on to say, uh, which ones? 
there's 10 in the Old Testament, and there's about 613 that they sort of developed out of the 10 ones. And what Jesus is saying here, not that there's, so, so technically there are two ways to salvation. One of them is to walk with Jesus, to have Jesus as your righteousness, and the other one's to be perfect. So what Jesus is saying here is like, oh, you want to inherit eternal life? And you're like, you, you, you seem to know a lot. Be perfect. Keep all the commandments. And you'd think, most of us would be like, whoa, that's, that's a lot. If you know the commandments, and you'd think that this guy would know. But you know, like, you don't really sort of like, a lot of people, have you ever talked to someone where they're not really listening to you? They just want to, like, they thought in their mind where they're about to say, I'm talking about people that maybe use scripts, you know? Like, they, they don't actually respond to what you're trying to say, but they're forwarding their agenda. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I've done all of them. Really? Like, you've done all the commandments. He goes in verse 19, because, <laughs> uh, you know, he's asking, okay, which ones? And verse 19 says, um, honor your father and mother. Uh, actually, goes, verse 18, rather. Uh, which ones? The man asked, and Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what Jesus is saying here is, he's not saying, okay, have you murdered someone? No, remember what Jesus talked about murder? He says, if you hate someone, it's like murdering someone. If you have thought of a woman with lust in your heart that you've already committed adultery. So Jesus is trying to get, hey, yeah, no, you haven't really kept the commandments. You know, you should, have, you should have done this. And he replies back and says, okay, well, I've done all of them. Let's go on. He says, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. If you know anything about the Ten Commandments, you understand that the first five have, have to do with usually with God. And the second half has to do with how we address one another. Like, don't, like, don't murder people. That's the second half, right? Like, or honor your mother and father. That's kind of, I think, the fifth one, right? So, so it has to do, Ten Commandments is, 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 is kind of split in two where it's about your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And Jesus is trying to hint here that, hey, look, maybe you haven't murdered, but you've probably hated. Hey, you haven't committed adultery, like in the sense that you actually slept with a woman, but you've probably lusted after someone. And therefore, that makes, that disqualifies you is what I'm trying to say. But this guy doesn't really get the, the, the moment. And Jesus looks at him and says, okay, well, it seems like you've done all of them, apparently, according to you. How about the first one? You know about that commandment that says, thou shalt not have any gods before me? How about the first one? The Muslim, you should not make anything into an idol. I don't know, like, I don't know, like your money and like your possessions. It, Jesus doesn't like, he doesn't play around. He's straight up, he's very disturbing. He says, yeah, okay. Let's see how, how you're doing on the first one. How about you sell, if, if you're keeping the first one is what Jesus is saying here, go sell everything you have and then give it. So it's kind of like a double take, right? Like not only you have to sell, like sell your house. Okay, this is going to hurt. Sell your car. This is going to hurt. And then you give the money. You're like, oh, this is a lot of money. Oh, I have to give it all away. That's like dying to yourself twice. 
right? It's one thing to part with your possessions when you like them and just sell them, but then get rid of the money too. Like that is, that, that, that's quite a bit. You're only able to do that when you are actually really following what Jesus is calling you to do. And uh, so many times I see this preacher on the TV and guys, I am just, I've, I've kind of already had enough of preachers on TV getting up there and trying to sell the gospel for making, you know, $5. Pickpocketing their own congregation. So what I'm trying to tell you is anytime someone comes up to you and starts with a, uh, with, with a line kind of like, of like a pyramid scheme, like, don't you just want to be great? Like God has called you to the nations. That sounds amazing. Maybe you should start reading your Bible first. And we have these massive, you know, big statements about all the great things that God has called you to do and how it's so amazing. And, and I literally got to a point where people, you know, I, I don't even want to say this word, but if you were to sell someone for your own gain, that's called pimping some, something out or someone out. And we have people that I shouldn't be using that word with the gospel, but they've done that. Well, they've taken that and they've made it about financial gain. They made it about, hey, how can, I, how can I get a whole bunch of people to think that I'm important? And they made it about their own influence. They, looked, they took the gospel and they started to apply it to, in their own way to see what, what, what kind of means of gain I can get from this. Apostle Paul talks to Timothy and says, don't allow those people that are using gospel as a means of gain. No, that's not what the gospel's about. The gospel is, you know what the gospel's about? is Jesus washing his disciples' feet. The gospel is about if Jesus was willing to leave heaven for you and for me, shouldn't we do that for one another? If you are a, an amazing businessman and you have money and you have friends that are broke and you know that they're struggling, maybe this is a time to start serving them. You know, because we can look and say, well, I'm just gonna go to church because that's what we do on Sunday. We, well, that's what we do on Friday. We, we just go to church and we start to, or we go to the church because of the people we're gonna see. And we use church as that. I really hope that you come to Jesus for Jesus. And he's gonna ask you to do some things that you might not agree with because he is Lord. How do I know I'm called to the city in this church? Because he hasn't called me anywhere. And as long as he is quiet about that, I know that this is why I need to serve the people that I have to serve here. This idea that somehow like, we have a generation that's so infatuated with greatness. I wonder what it would be like if I wrote a book called How to Be Nothing. How much, how, I mean, how much of it can I sell? How, can, how, how to die to yourself and never have anything? Like, I wonder how much of that I'm gonna sell. <laughs> I hope, highly doubt it, right? If I came up with, with, with a book that says, following Jesus, it'll cost you everything. Like your family, it might cost you your life, it might cost you your business, it might cost you everything. I wonder how popular that gospel would be because that is the gospel. And if your gospel is not offending people, then you should probably wonder, okay, are you really preaching the gospel here? So Jesus is telling him, bro, like, look, I'm trying to gently telling you. I love how Mark puts it. He says, Jesus looked at him because the next verse, he says that, that this kid, this guy, this businessman, 
I think he was a businessman in the kid, a kid in the businessman's body, right? Like, so follow with me on that, okay? Um, Jesus looks at him and Mark says that he, Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know what Jesus did? Mark makes it very clear. He looked at him and he says, um, actually, he says this to, to, to this, this guy. He says, look, there's one, only one thing you really need to do, and that is to, to sell everything you have and follow after me. He didn't say that as like a, a, a thing of kind of like condemnation. He says that he loved him when he said that. He didn't accuse him. But you know what happens next? You would think this guy would respond, but that's not what happens. He says that, but when the young man's heart uh, heard this, he went away sad, for he had, made ma- uh, he had many possessions. So he was so attached to what he had, to, see, to, to, to his influence, to his rich, uh, and sad to tell him his youth is going to slip away pretty quickly too, but, um, you know, why stop him now, right? Uh, like, what Jesus is saying is that, look, unless you give all that up for me, you cannot have eternal life or be perfect. So a lot of times when we look at our own walk with the Lord, I'm not sure how God is maybe prompting you right now, but I know that he's bringing up something in your, in your life that maybe you've been attached to. Maybe you've been holding on so dearly. Maybe it's your business and like, God, if or maybe it's giving. This is not a giving sermon. But, but like when you go to the mall and you spend 40 bucks, you're like, bro, I saved money. You gave $40 in church, you're like, I'm good today, right? Like just the perspective and the differences, right? Like, no, depart with the things that you are so holding on to because chances are whatever you are holding on to is probably your idol. It's probably your God. You say Jesus is your God, but he's not. If you've been marrying your career for a while, it's not Jesus that you're really pursuing. It's your career, your job, your boyfriend, girlfriend, they're not godly. You, you, you know, whatever that thing is, you need to let it go. Because ultimately, you can't do both. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear you can't say, serve money. And I'm amazed and God, right? Like I'm amazed how many times like people do the most weird things for money. In my business, like I, I have so many times I'm like, did you just do that? Like, did you just like compromise everything that I know about you? I have people that decide I'm not never gonna work with them again because of the way they acted. Uh, <laughs> it was actually, uh, this, I know the story, this guy walked into a bank and he was supposed to do a transaction and this bank only gives a parking validation if there's actually a transaction that took place. So the guy came for whoever the banker was gonna be and, and well, the, one of the bankers that he was supposed to be, meet up with and the banker was not there. And the guy's, guy goes, well, can you va- still validate my parking ticket um, or my parking? And the lady's like, no, you have to have a transaction. And he's, he's like, well, I came here, but the guy was not here, so therefore it's your guys' fault and I'm asking you nicely to validate my parking, you know. And the, guy goes, uh, the lady goes, no, you didn't have a transaction. And he's like, okay, well, um, I'm going to have a transaction right now. I'm going to withdraw all my money from the bank. This happened to be the CEO of HP, so there was quite a few millions. So the bank lost all of that 
because they were not willing to validate a parking ticket. And I think a lot of times we are willing to compromise like, like our character, our integrity, because we're gonna make another $5. And it's just so sad. And if you've been doing that, Jesus is not your Lord. It's money that's your Lord. If you've been compromising your relationship with people for money or for influence, or just you're gonna get another leg up on, on some, your competition, that's problematic. You're not serving Jesus here. You're serving that whatever thing is. And I hope you get, you get it. You know, now, of course, we all make mistakes, and a lot of times we act extremely selfishly. I'm primary, like, a primary like, uh, illustration of that. We, we, we have very selfish moments. You know, I actually was meeting up with a, with, a, with a kid, and he's just like, man, but I don't know, Slavika, how... This is actually pretty cool, but like, um, I, I can't tell the whole story, but what I want to say is I met up with him, and he, he actually admitted to me, he's like, I can't really care for people when I'm so selfish myself, and I'm like whoa, this coming from a 19-year-old, I think you're going places. The very fact that you're admitting this, this is already progress. You know, so of course we all make mistakes. And I think this is where the disciples are standing. They see this guy just walks away that's now willing to, to sort of like, to, to kind of depart. And here's the mistakes that he made. He called Jesus by a good teacher instead of coming him as Lord. He, he, he kind of underestimated the, the, like his own corruption he thought he was good. And Jesus is like, no, you kind of broke a lot of these commandments. You are not good. And if you were to actually stand before the Lord, you are not perfect. You haven't kept the commandments and you're not going into heaven. And the only way you can is by selling everything and making me your Lord and Savior. Right? So, so that's kind of the other mistakes that he made. And then the last couple, one of them, he was obviously unaware of his faults, but then he misunderstood the plan of grace. Grace is not about adding one more thing on. Grace is to say, I am under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I take on his righteousness, not my own, his righteousness. And obviously, you know, the, the tragic kind of thing about this, this story is that he was attached to his possession so much that he was now willing to let it go. And the disciples are watching this whole thing unfold and they're like, wow, well, that was heated. And here you have somebody walking away from Jesus. And I think that's kind of last mistake. And I think probably the worst one, walking away. You were like within 18 inches of, of Jesus, of salvation. And you walked away. Now I can, I can look at all the other things and maybe you came in here. You didn't understand Jesus is Lord. I hope that you understand that Jesus needs to be Lord of your life. Maybe you made a mistake where you thought that like, you know, you're good. And then I, can, I told you that none of us are. And there's no such thing as your truth, my truth. And, and you at the end of the day are a sinner just like me. And the only person who is good is God. And we are in desperate need of that. And, and when people say stuff like, what do, why do good people go to hell? Well, there's no such thing because nobody is good. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So there's no such thing as being good. Maybe you made all those mistakes, but the worst one you ever make is walking away. Maybe it's totally, I totally understand. I've done that for years where I've misunderstood my own kind of like corruption. I've misunderstood who Jesus is in my life. I misunderstood all these things. But the worst one you'll ever do is to look at Jesus, see salvation and walk away. And so the disciples are looking at this and obviously they're, they're kind of like wondering like what the heck is going on? If this guy cannot make it, which one of us can? We're fishermen and peasants. We're not educated. 
a lot of us are not young. A lot of us are not good looking, right? Like a lot of us are not influential. They think we're crazy as following after Jesus. We've given up everything. And if he cannot make it, who, who the heck can? That's what they're asking. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Then his disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked intently and said, humanly speaking, is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That is God saying, you can't do it on your own. This is where you have to ask God's forgiveness, God's righteousness, God's holiness on your life, God's everything on you. You can't do this on your own. For a rich person to leave everything behind, it's impossible until they got, because this, I want you to listen to me on this one, okay? Like, Jesus is going to disturb you. And he's going to demand a lot more than you thought he's going to demand. But he's also going to provide a lot more than you expected. You thought, I, I don't know about you guys, but I know for sure that I think one of the richest person that ever took a lot with him was being buried in Cadillac. We all buy the same condo of six by six underground, right? Like when we die, we don't take anything with us. And Jesus says, you don't see it. You don't see it. You are so attached to your influence and being young and being this and being that. And I know people in Hollywood that I, I actually heard one of the, the guys in Hollywood saying that I'd rather die than get old because this is, this is bad. Like this is not a good place to be old here. You, you know, and it, it, to me, it amazes me because I'm like, I think you're missing the gospel. You know, because on one hand, if you're getting older, you're mourning your youth. You're no longer having your youth, but you're looking forward to, to, towards eternity. I think in my own life, this is kind of like the, the sort of the struggle where on one hand, I'm looking, okay, I'm older. I'm just putting that out there, right? And on one hand, you're mourning that, hey, I'm no longer 16. And things hurt where they're not supposed to, like at least I'm not 16, right? Like, like you start to like, okay, did I just wake up with this, like, this pain that I can't explain? Right, so your your body starts to like, oh yeah, I think we're getting there, right? Like, <laughs> so, so you, on one hand you look back and you're like, man, I mourn my youth, but what's exciting and it's like, do I want to be 16 again? If I knew everything that I know now, yeah, maybe I want to be 16 again. But going back where I have all zits on my face and like I am so insecure about who I am and what the world is about, like I don't. That's not a pleasant experience to go through. I don't look forward to going back to that. No, thank you. What excites me is eternity. The, every single step that I take closer to eternity, that's what makes what I, what I wake up every single morning looking forward to. I don't mourn my youth. You know why? Because I have something so much greater coming up. Wow. And this is the problem. I think, especially for YA, I, I, I understand you guys. If it hasn't hit you yet, if you're under 23, God bless you. You don't know this yet, but like it usually starts at 23. You're like, where's my life going? Like, where is this about? Like, um, people don't think I'm cool anymore. I'm not as good looking as I thought, we're as rich as I thought. And, I, um, and especially if you turn 28, you're like, okay, this is getting really serious. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like, and it's, it's that. What I'm telling you is that 
you don't mourn your youth not because it's no obviously it's no longer there, but because you have such such a greater thing coming up. And we with anticipation look forward to eternity. And this is the amazing thing. What Jesus is saying is like, yeah, what I'm going to say to you is very disturbing and I'm going to require a lot, but I'm also providing a lot more. I, I, I'm the one who holds the source of life. And what you think you have in this life and just trying to squeeze every single Instagram moment and catalog everything because like, oh, you have to travel and you do this, you do this because you only have one life. And if you don't do it in this life, then how can you say that you lived? And Jesus saying, no, what you have now is nothing embarrassing to bear for you. That is the, the good news. And this is what Peter is addressing, right? He's having a midlife crisis, or maybe an early life crisis, right? He goes, then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you, Jesus. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you that when in that world is made new and the son of man sits on the, upon the glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has been given a house or has been uh, given up rather a house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much. Mark says as many times much or many times much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now, and I want to just spend the rest in call to prayer on this verse, but many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem the least important now will be the greatest then. What does that do to our modern day gospel? What does that do to our prosperity Christianity? Oh, you get Jesus because you're going to be great. That's not what Jesus said. He said, those who think are great now will be the least and those who, who you didn't even know their names, people that stood at the door and all they've done is serve people and you don't even know their names. Like I, I am so amazed at City Hill, how we run and there's people in this place that you have no idea even who their names are. You might know my name. You might know Pastor Your's name. You might know the people who are very loud and because they have a microphone, right? Like, <laughs> they're very loud and they're very at times obnoxious and like you, because they have big personalities and, and all that. But Jesus is saying some of the people that you haven't, even heard about will be the greatest. So it's okay to be faithful and not seek to be the greatest. It's okay not to be great, or at least great in the, the sense that we understand it in the modern day world. You're 28. What is your life about? Come on, like you gotta man up, bro. Like you gotta, you gotta have a car by now and a house and a good looking girlfriend and be married already and have three kids and a white picket fence and a house that's so big that, that you still sleep in one bedroom, but you have to have 4,000 square feet because you have to show people that you're great. Like you have to show somehow. And she's like, no, 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 sell all that. Easier so than not, Jesus. Like that's not exactly something I'm looking forward to. I mean, maybe money doesn't bring happiness, but it's a lot easier to cry in a BMW than on a bike. <laughs> right like <laughs> we like we like being comfortable we like being flashy we like imagine what would it look like if our church got together and like oh you think you're bad let me tell you yeah let you think you're struggling oh hey let me tell you what i've been going through hey you think you have image issues let me tell you, because I think this is what we need, a people to be honest about our own brokenness.
and to say, God, I, I, I've tried pursuing all these things and God, I just, they all left me wanting. They created this huge desire in me, but no satisfaction. The saddest thing about this young, rich ruler is that even though he, was, he came there to seek something and went away sad, hey, um, why are you sad? Isn't your richness and your being young, good-looking and powerful, isn't that enough? I think this is ultimately what Jesus is calling us to. You know, you're still sad because maybe you've been filling your little holes in your heart with things that don't belong there. What you need is Jesus. What you need is a relationship with him. What you need is not another car, not another business. Now, if God has blessed you, I I really believe that if you're blessed, you're blessed to be a blessing. And if you're a business person in here and you're providing you know, jobs for so many other people, God bless you. And I'm looking forward to see how your business thrives. And I pray for your business to thrive. To, to see young godly businessmen who are not compromising their integrity, but they're providing for the community and they're making money to be a blessing to, to the mission field, to be a blessing to their community. I hope that that is what God is raising in this place. But if you're compromising yourself for five bucks, you're not serving Jesus here. You're serving yourself. You're serving your own gods. And that's gonna, oh, that's gonna be disappointing. Well, what's the world to do with Howard Hughes and you know, Steve Jobs of this world, billionaires? Howard Hughes died in his own feces. Like that's just insane, insane in some hotel building where they had to shut all the, the windows and for, for literally four days in, he would just go to the bathroom in there. What a sad way to die. The richest person at that time, 1940s, 50s. If that's your idea of greatness, good luck. I'm not buying into that. And please, just on a shameless plug, don't ask me for pyramid schemes because I'm done. Like I am so tired of people meeting up. If you meet up with a person, meet up, and if you meet up with a client, meet with them because you care about them. You want the best for them. And if the process, you're making money because you provided good service, God bless you, and I, I celebrate that. But don't manipulate people to get what you want. So I'm gonna call you to prayer, and I, like we always do, I'm gonna ask you to just kind of search your heart and say, God, what have I been holding on to? What have I been sort of making an idol out of, out of it? Lord, would you just speak to my heart right now? And I don't want to just take a, like a minute and just be silent and say, God, would you bring up right now? God is going to be faithful and bring it. If you're honest about this, he's going to bring the idol, the thing that you've been sort of holding on to, and that's holding you from following after Jesus. And he's going to ask you to do a certain thing. Maybe, maybe give money. Now, it doesn't have to be our church. It doesn't have to be, I don't get paid. Like it doesn't have to be, it could be maybe a specific need that God's gonna, you know, meet that need through you. It might be you letting go of a relationship. It might be you letting go of your dreams and hopes and say, God, I, I'm tired. I've, I've done all that. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.